I'm fighting spiritually, but I'm going to give this all I've got. If I can't finish it, I'll leave my iPad up here and Brother Dave can come finish it. All he has to do is read it. This passage of Scripture is one dealing with the ramifications of getting ready for probably the rapture, and that's debated. The context actually begins in verse 20 of the chapter, if you care to read the whole thing. Jesus is answering a question of the Pharisees who were inquiring when the kingdom of God would actually come to pass. And Jesus explained that the kingdom of God is spiritual, not temporal. Then without any recorded provocation, begins a discourse to the disciples concerning his second coming. Which to the Jews is when he is coming back to fight the battle of Armageddon and then set up his kingdom on the earth. That's not the rapture. The Lord would bring to pass the thought that they had in reality missed what the current kingdom of God looked like. Romans fourteen seventeen said, In this case, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. His instructions for this kingdom were different from any other they had ever heard. When you were called to this kingdom, there are some requirements. Jesus said in this passage, if you care to read it, if you're on the housetop, when the kingdom comes, don't go back into the house to get your things. If you're in the field, don't go back to get your possessions. If you will lose, if you, you will lose your life, he said, if you try to preserve it and hoard it, you'll only find your life, he said, by losing it. The implication here is in the kingdom of God. There's a fine line of separation that comes with God's kingdom. Jesus said two would be in the bed, two grinding corn, two in the field. And then one, when the kingdom comes, would be taken. And the other left. There's urgency about this text that tells us that we will not be riding in on someone else's coattails or on someone else's relationship with God. If you don't make it on your own, you're not going to make it. Seemingly out of place in this passage is one of the shortest verses in the Bible. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. There are other passages in Scripture when Jesus or one of the other writers of the epistles would mention an Old Testament character And then they would explain why they had mentioned them. For example, Esau, he threw away his birthright for a morsel of bread or a bowl of stew. Sodom and Gomorrah was mentioned. And then the comment was, who will rise up in judgment because others had more to work with and did less? Mentions Jonah who laid in the belly of a whale or a great fish for three days and three nights. But in this particular passage, Jesus said, Remember Lot's wife. That is all. No explanation. Just a powerful, anointed, gut-wrenching, three-word sermon. And then Jesus walks away from it. 
It stands out as a warning. But there's something, is there something behind this veiled reference? I believe there is. Lot's wife is a nameless character in the Bible. We have no idea where she came from. There's no background or pedigree, if you will, or genealogy given to her. She's not a prophetess like Anna. She's not a judge like Deborah. She's not a queen like Esther who saved her people from a man named Haman. She's not like Ruth who was an outsider that birthed a king. She's not like a Rachel who gives birth to a great Egyptian prince, Joseph. She is not like Mary of Bethany who changed the atmosphere with a broken alabaster box of perfume. She's not like any of these great women of Scripture. Nothing is known of her, and yet the command of the Lord was to remember her. So if we're going to know her, we're probably going to have to look maybe at her husband to get some kind of an idea as to who she was. So I believe it's possible to know Lot's wife. You probably need to know a little bit about Lot. Who is Lot? He's the nephew of Abraham. He's a fatherless child who is being raised by a childless father. They became fused together in something that was not the will of God. He ended up leading a divided house against Abraham. Lot's actions and character could be summed up in other ways. He was not a very good man. He was a carnal and lustful man. He was a selfish man, driven by his own agenda. He was a divisive man. So God determined that Abraham needed to separate himself from Lot because of who Lot was. God's wisdom prevails and he directed Abraham to give Lot his own choice about some land. But because Lot was a greedy man... And driven by his own agenda, God separates him from Abraham quickly, seamlessly, and with little scarring. One of the greatest mysteries of Scripture is that Lot is called, in the New Testament, a righteous man. I believe this might be part of the reason. He was good enough to entertain angels. He was good enough to provide for them and protect them and defend them. He was good enough that when... God decides to destroy the cities. Lot is going to be rescued by them. So God's instructions to Lot prior to the destruction of Sodom was to get his wife and daughters out of the city and flee to the mountains. That was the instructions. Some transactions took place on Lot's part and he ended up setting his sights on a city called Zor. So as Lot prepares to leave the city, He takes his nameless wife and daughters, and they're escorted out by angels. Suddenly they were opened up to the work of God in a venue that we would call an opportunity. Not a blessing, but an opportunity. Some of us say here today, if I just had an opportunity, I don't necessarily want a blessing I just need an opportunity. So much could be done with an opportunity if you're willing to invest it in God's purpose. An opportunity to prove who you are. An opportunity to stay with it, to turn your life around, to improve your mind. An opportunity to form good habits. An opportunity to have sterling character. An opportunity to be useful. 
an opportunity to invest your life and not waste it, an opportunity to plan for the future. The word opportunity comes from the root word signifying at port or in harbor. This is suggestive of the statement that there is a tide in the affairs of men which, taken at flood, leads on to fortune. One has to think of a trader who is dealing in the market ready to turn every opportunity into an advance for himself. There are great opportunities that will present themselves only once or twice in a lifetime. And a man must take full advantage of those times and not look back. So whether it's people, communities, nations, churches, no one can allow the erosion of opportunity. So here's Lot's wife being led into the future, but bound by the past. The problem with Lot's wife, she didn't value her opportunity. And there's people here today that are setting on go. If you make the right choice, you're setting on disaster if you don't. At first, at first glance, when you look at Lot's wife, there's a tendency to think that she is a decadent sinner a reprobate, or a godless woman who's depraved. Perhaps the memorial of remembrance is to look at her sin and stay away from it. But this cannot be the case because God brought her out. Whatever she was, or you, know, you, you, you need to listen today, whatever she was or even had the potential to be, she wasn't bad enough for God to want to destroy her because He sent angels to escort her out. If you were so bad, if there wasn't something in you that God did not want to save, He wouldn't be giving you this opportunity. Amen. So as she was leaving, on the way to her destiny in the future, she aborted her purpose by looking back. This is not for backsliders because she didn't go back to what was burning down. This is not a message for people who go back. This is a message for those who look back. What would make this woman who had a very safe and secure future in front of her, what would make her want to look back? Why would she throw away the hopes for tomorrow with one look over her shoulder? Why would she look back when everything God had for her was in front of her? I'm working while it's yet day. Was Lot's wife torn between two lovers? I want everybody to understand here today. Everything that God has for us is from now on. Everything God has for us today is from now on. You have to stop now looking back at last year, at old mistakes, at old grudges, at old offenses, at old hurts, the old dilemmas of life. Everything God has for you is from now on. 
If you keep looking back, you're going to turn into a pillar of salt, which means preserved in an eternal today because you look back at a forgotten yesterday. Our prayer can never be, God, don't let me go back because the problem for most of us here today is not going back. We just keep looking back. Somewhere along the line, you have to get over the spilt milk perspective out of your mind and heart because crying about yesterday is not going to do any good for tomorrow. I want to appeal to somebody today. I want to reach for somebody today. Don't look back. But there's people here today that keep doing it. You have that amazing moment in prayer, that amazing altar service. For some of our young people, that amazing youth congress. It may be a youth camp. It may be a camp meeting. It may be a revival. It may be a miracle, whatever it is. And, we, and you determine this is it. I'm going to be what God wants me to do. But you can't help yourself. You can't help yourself as soon as you get home. You get back on your phone. You get back on the computer. And you just start looking back over your shoulder at all that stuff that God just had you delivered from. I'm here to preach to somebody to Today, that's going to burn down one day. Yes, it will. You have only one life to live. And if you live it for Jesus, it'll be the one life that's eternal. So if you're going to remember Lot's wife, there are some points we'll have to observe and make. She was not a backslider because she didn't go back. She was not a sinner because a sinner would have never left. She epitomizes a child of God who has enough faith to get out, but still has so many issues in the past that they can't embrace their their future. When God gets ready, there's people here today, I could call your name, and I wish I had the liberty to do it because I'm preaching straight to you today. When God gets ready to move us, it's going to be quick. You have to be willing to move quickly and without delay. The Israelites crossing the Red Sea, that didn't take 10 years. It didn't take six months. Peter delivered by the angels from jail while a prayer meeting was going on. That didn't take hours and hours. Get up, Peter, let's go. Straightway the disciples left their nets and followed Jesus, the Bible said. Straightway the woman with the issue of blood was healed. Straightway means immediately. Jairus' daughter was healed. Straightway did the young man in Mark 7 have his ears open and his speech impediment healed. Yes, he did. The Bible said that weeping may endure for a night. But there's joy that will express itself come the sunrise. When a saint gets pulled out, they're often pulled out so fast that if you're attached to anything in your past, you will not be prepared for what God is going to do in your future. This is one of the great values of repentance. That's why the Bible said God is faithful and just to forgive sin. He does it immediately. So if you go to get what God has for you today, then you're going to have to leave everything in yesterday. For that matter, what's happened in the last year or the last five years or even the last decade, leave it there. The reason that Jesus wanted us to remember Lot's wife was because she had been delivered from a place physically but wasn't prepared for where God was taking her spiritually. Her body was out. 
but her mind stayed behind in the smoking city and the fire and the rubble and everything being burned up. Her situation was out of her out, but her, her situation was out, but her attitude was still in. Her position was out, but her condition was still stuck. A dangerous place to be in life is when you are divided against yourself, when you're torn between two lovers. God, I love you, but also love the world. The reason I was so passionate at the beginning to say how convoluted this this thought is is because the Bible says you can't do that. It's not possible. If a man says he loves God and loves the world, he's a liar. You can't do both at the same time. And I hear it often. I love God, Pastor. I love Him so much, but I just can't quit sinning. It's like saying, I love my wife, but I can't quit cheating on her. It's convoluted. It's a dangerous place to be when you're divided against yourself. God brought her to a place for which she had no real appreciation. Woe to those who seek to remain in the familiar when God wants to put us in the divine. Woe to those who seek to remain in the comfortable when God wants to put us in a situation of opportunity. Woe to those of us who have been given an opportunity, but your mind is tied up in what you're accustomed to. Just a three-word sermon that sends an immortal and eternal warning to the church, not to the sinner, but to the church. Everybody sitting on these chairs today needs, and never forget, Lot's wife. She was brought to a place she wasn't ready for. Remember, God said, I brought her out, but she couldn't think herself out. I brought her body out, but she couldn't get her mind out. I brought her to a place of opportunity, but her faith could not hold out. Paul said, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forth of those things which are before. Forget those things that are in yesterday and reach into tomorrow and do the will of God. Her body was out. Her face was headed for Zor. Her hands were in the hand of a blessed man and her mind was looking back. She was following angels. Do you understand that today? I've never even seen one outside of my wife. I can't imagine how it would feel to have not one but two, Mark, grab you by the hand and start leading you somewhere. How, what kind of person do you have to be? (laughs) Hey, y'all wait just a minute. Y'all, y'all, y'all stop right there just a minute. I, I I need to turn around. Forget where I'm going. Brother Henry, I would be so mesmerized by these two beings that God sent 
into my life. And they're leading me on this journey. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go wherever you want to go. I don't care. Just lead me there. I'll go. But we don't do that. We know God too well. And we say we love him too much. And we think God's going to understand when we ask him to stop right there so I can look back a while. Lot's wife is the only person in Scripture who got out of a terrible situation, headed for a secure place, and perished between the two. And there's people here today that's going to perish between a relationship with God and a world out there that can do nothing for you. You know why? It's because you're torn between two lovers. And most of the time, you feel like a fool. Because you know that loving them both is breaking all the rules. Even the devil ain't happy with you right now because you love God a little bit. Think about that. Lot's wife wasn't murdered. She wasn't crucified. She wasn't in prison. She destroyed herself. She did it to herself. She couldn't even blame her parents. She couldn't blame her husband. She couldn't blame God. God was leading her out for crying out loud. She died because she chose to be a monument looking back rather than a movement moving forward. Remember Lot's wife torn between two lovers. The problem with Lot's wife was not her morality or her integrity because she was good enough to get out. Her problem was her mentality. Her mind refused to accept the opportunity. Her mind, and that's where some people are right now, right here today. You're listening or you're watching. Your mind will not let you engage the opportunity that God is giving you right now. And Jesus said, remember Lot's wife, because you need to get yourself together and pull your mind out of yesterday and get your attitude right and quit crying over spilled milk and let your past, don't let your past enter your future and quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. You may not be able to save the city. You can't save Sodom, but you can save yourself. This is your opportunity. We've come too far to die in the wilderness. We've gotten out of the world, but we can't stop now. We've left yesterday behind, but we have to look forward to the future. This is your chance for a breakaway. Break up with the world. Josephus, the Jewish historian, wrote that he saw Lot's Lot's wife in the wilderness. Sodom and Gomorrah couldn't be located because it was thought to be at the bottom of the Dead Sea. So God made a monument. Lot's wife was frozen in time. Salt is a preservative. She was preserved. She was coming out and she was frozen in time because she was looking back. The decision that I have to make is whether or not I'm going to stay behind or hold Lot's wife's hand or am I going to move on and Keep walking. You can keep holding hands with the past, or you can let go and march on into the will of God, into your destiny.
So let me skip on to my conclusion today. This is what I want us to do while the musicians come. I'm going to have you go ahead and stand with me today. I told Sister Murphy, I'm going to tell you what I feel like I'm fighting here today to, to some degree. I told Sister Murphy I was at a restaurant eating lunch the other day, and there was this little girl. They looked like 12, 13 years old, 14 maybe. They looked like they had a softball team they had on their uniforms. They came in to eat. It was four of them. It wasn't the whole team, but it was four of them. They sat down with their coaches, and I heard the coaches trying to coach them well, you remember that pitch, and you remember when you popped out, and you remember when you was at the batter's box, and all four of them were sitting there with their smartphone in their hand. Just, they weren't listening to the coach, and that's what I'm fighting here today. <clears throat> so I want to put this song into my sermon's context today. So you forgive me, and if this offends you, I'm sorry, but I'm really not, but we'll work with it. So let's consider Mary McGregor's song again. This is what we come to church and say to Jesus. There's people here today that you, every time you come to church, you say this to Jesus. You come down here and you cry and you wail, and, and, and I'm not belittling that. I want you to. Don't stop. But this is what you say when you come down here, it may not be words out of your mouth, but it's what your heart is saying. So you come down here to talk to Jesus, and this is what you say. There are times when a human has to say what's on their mind. Even though they know how much it's going to hurt. So God, before I say another word, let me tell you, I love you. And let me hold you close and say these words as gently as I can. Somebody can come on down here right now and just start saying these words. Because what you're going to do. But it needs to stop. You need to stop that today. So let me hold you close, God, and say these words as gently as I can. There's been something else that I've needed and I've loved. You fill in the blank. It's your song. You're the one singing it. But somehow, we try to persuade God that even though I love something else, that doesn't mean I love you less. And God, that thing I love it can't possess me right. If it wasn't possessing you, you wouldn't be doing it. And it knows it never will. But there's just this empty place inside of me, God, that only that can feel. So God, you mustn't think you failed me because there's something else. You were, in fact, the first real love I ever had. And of all the things I've ever said, I promise, they still are true because no one else can have that part of me that I gave to you. But here's, here's where it gets really convoluted to me. God, 
and tears are streaming down your face. Somebody's just got some Kleenex out from under the chairs and they've just stuffed them in your hand because you're bawling, because you're telling God that I couldn't really blame you if you turned and walked away. But God, with everything inside of me, I'm asking you to stay because I'm torn between two lovers and I feel like a fool. God ain't happy with me because I love the world and the devil ain't happy with me because I love God and that's why I'm so miserable. You listen to me. You listen to me. If any of your spouses walked up to you today and said, I have something to tell you, come in real close and let me hold you real tight. There's another person that I love, and I need you to understand that. I love you, but I love them. If Sister Murphy tried to persuade me of that nonsense, I'd tell her, you go after the other dude. I want no part of it. I ain't sharing. And God don't either. Jesus said, if you try to play it that way, you'll lose your life. If you try to love God and the world at the same time, you're going to turn out to be a disaster. But if you'll love me, You know, I stared at my father-in-law Monday laid out right in front of this pulpit and I looked into that face and I wonder if you could bring him back for a few minutes and just ask him if it was worth it. Loving God with all your heart. (laughs) When he prayed through the Holy Ghost in 1967, He didn't play around no more. Not that I know. I was in his family 47 years. He didn't play around. I wonder if you brought him back now if he'd tell you it's worth it. I wonder if you could bring the person back. Why don't you bring Lot's wife back and have a conversation with her and see what she says about where she's spending eternity right now. So, if you're torn between two lovers today and you feel kind of foolish there's a reason but there's another feeling that's going on right now inside of you and I call it conviction not condemnation but conviction because God much like Hosea and Gomer in the Old Testament God instructed him to marry a prostitute, and he did. It was to be a type of Israel, and she was horrible to him. But he couldn't stop loving her. He couldn't stop. And he finally found her. After a couple of several kids was born, he found her in this old dirty, run-down place, prostituting herself out to all kind of people. But there stood her husband and picked up her broken, raggedy body, brought her home and cleaned her up 
and where you'll sing this song to Jesus in a little while. I really wouldn't blame you if you walked away. The problem with God is He just can't. He can't walk away. He can't. We think, lo, I'm with you always means when you're discouraged and need comfort. No, not just that. It's when you're backsliding. It's when you're when you don't know God at all. He he can't walk away. He just can't. He'll put up with the way you think about him and the world and and every time you come to church and you sing that song, instead of you embracing him and bringing him up close, he embraces you and brings you up close and he says, wait before you say that you love me when you really don't. Let me tell you how much I love you. If you want to look back, look back at Calvary. I'm just trying to work while it's yet day. And you're like that little girl softball team while pastor's trying to coach. You've got your smartphone out and just texting away to meaningless things. You know, the thing about Lot's wife is the thing that was on fire was behind her. What we're living up against, what we're up against today is what's on fires yet ahead of us. And we don't see it. So today I want to give somebody an opportunity to tell that thing out there. I'm breaking up with you today. The affair is over. The habits, the lifestyle, the attitude, all the nasty stuff I do, all the horrible stuff I do, all that's over. I'm breaking up with that out there. And I'm going to fall in love with what's in here. God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. As they begin to sing, if you feel comfortable to gather with us around the front, I want you to come and grab a hold of God and pull Him up real close to you and say, God, I love you more. God, I love you more right now than I ever have. And I'm going to let the stuff out there go. I'm going to let the stuff out there go. God, I'm going to fall in love with you with all I've got. I'm going to serve you today, oh God, more than I ever have. I'm going to commit to you today, God. You're going to be my number one. You're going to be my first and foremost ministry team. Help me today. I encourage you to pray today. I plead with you to pray today. To talk to God in your own way, whatever that is. He understands. He understands. Yes, He does. He understands. Take advantage of the opportunity. God is taking you by the hand and leading you in.
stand closer to him. Talk to him, child of God. Talk to him. Talk to the Lord right now. Everybody talk to the Lord. We need Him today. We need Him today. Oh, God, we need Him today. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody reach heavenward all over the house today. Somebody reach heavenward. Somebody reach heavenward. We're in the presence of the Lord today. Why don't you break off your affair with the world right now? Break off the affair with the world right now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Go ahead, somebody. Keep your hand in his hand. Keep your hand in his hand. Yes. God, we've got to have you. God, we've got to have you. We've got to get closer to you than we ever have. The night comes. tired of being torn between two lovers fall in love with Jesus today somebody fall in love with him